You're listening to This and That, a new podcast series with me, Angus Mitchell, where I'll be talking to students and past students alike everything to do with their dissertations and uni experience. On this episode, I'll be talking to Danny Humby, the title of his dissertation being Cult 2.0, a critical study into the generic identity of cult film. You know, this was, you know, this was, you know, April, May 2020, I submitted this. That, that's like four years ago at this point. At least it feels it, like it. It does feel like it. Fair enough. Like adoring one thing, all the a same cult. message. A cult. A cult. Oh, yeah. so Thanks, really, we've really outed ourselves as being sad enough to record a podcast on Saturday <laughs> on evening. On Saturday <laughs> evening. We're, we're, we're keen, aren't we? No, it's lockdown. It's fine. Um, days don't matter. Thing. I mean, this, this dissertation had all the generic white boy boxes that we needed to get in. The emoji okay. movie and me and Kojo. <laughs> you um, said it, not me. You said it, not me. <laughs> Should we get into this and we'll actually like start the episode sorry, and you can tell yeah. me this. Yeah. Sorry, you're just so casual. I, just, I know, I it's so it. casual. Have we started? Have we started? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you're listening to This and That. Today I'm joined by Dan or is it Danny? What do we what Danny, do we Danny, Danny. Danny. That just shows you how ice breaking this, this podcast is. I don't yeah. even know your name. <laughs> The, the, weird, the, the funny thing is, that's the second time someone's asked me that question today. And oh. for the, like, I'm, no critique to you, but I've obviously <laughs> logged into Zoom. My name is Danny. All Danny, social media is why Danny. is someone calling me Dan? Yeah, <laughs> That'd okay, be so- like if I went to you, do you prefer Ang or Angus? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. Please do refer to me as Ang. Everyone do, does. No, okay. No, 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 please don't. That was no, a, no one that refers? Was no okay. one refers to me as Ang. I think that's, um, it's a character in an anime. So I'd never hear the end oh, of it. Oh, of course. If I call myself that. Oh, uh, yeah, um, sure. No, so Danny Humby is joining me today. So Danny, who are you? Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Danny. I am the station manager at Radio Sonar. If you're talking student radio terms, I just do a, a, a bunch of student radio. Uh, we, we can save this from going too niche into the student radio, but uh, effectively, I'm a man that does student radio would probably be my analysis. It is a, it is a large proportion of your identity, isn't it? If, am I fair in saying <laughs> I wouldn't say like, like I, I don't live and breathe it, but if you looked at my social medias, then you would, you would think that is a guy that does a lot of yeah, time for it. Yeah. yeah. But um, also, academics. What's, what's Academics. Well, this is all. This is this and that. It's all about your dissertation. Of course, how can we forget? <laughs> let's get. Let's get. Let's get into it. So, I'm currently studying a marketing masters at Southern University, and in the past, and by the past, I mean you know 2020, the three years prior, <laughs> yeah. um, I was a film and TV student at Southern University, also, so fourth year at Southern. Um, chose film and TV, thinking maybe that's industry for me and actually it was it was quite theory based very th- theory based and I, I basically realized that filming's really boring <laughs> for me like at this point when I was starting to get towards this conclusion like I'd started doing my radio stuff and it not that I like overwhelmingly want to be a radio presenter because that's not the case but the, you know recording a podcast like this or recording anything audio a lot of the time, although people do do prep, I mean, I don't necessarily, but like you could record it in an hour. And then at the end of the day, you, you pretty like you do edit, but you do pretty much have an hour's worth of content. If you're yeah, doing yeah. like filming at a student level for an hour, you do not have an hour's worth of content. <laughs> yeah, that's you a good have, point, actually. And, and, and like, I just found it really, really demoralizing. And so like, as a result, 
when it got to end of third year and we had the option of, you know, making a film or writing a dissertation, I was like, yeah, get me that this right now. I, I can't think of anything worse. And actually it worked out for me, you know, very fortunately, because when everything, you know, went crazy in the world, my mates that were making the film, off, most of them were like half, half recorded them and yeah. then had to stop. So they, they had to then change what they did and they had to move to a written assessment about the stuff they'd already done. Meanwhile, I got a one month extension for my disc as a result. So I, like, I loved it. I mean, like, obviously- <laughs> Careful, careful. When we're talking- Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. I yeah 2020, specific- best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love the specific scenario that enabled me more time. So yeah. like, that I was very interested in writing about and had like sort of written about multiple times over the three years prior. Um, like we had like a cult film and TV module. So like when it got to the disc, that helped. I mean, I know I haven't actually fully said what the disc was, but <laughs> I know I was going to say. Um, I think I think enough save, enough save for the whole podcast. You can hear the whole thing. You know, enough <laughs> enough of the enough of the teasers. Uh, I think we should just get into it. this. Is this and that, Danny? What was the title of your dissertation? The title of my dissertation was Cult Two a critical study into the generic identity of cult film. Boom. That is the Boom. shortest title we've had so far, and I love it. So Cult 2.0, yes. what does that mean? Let, let's get into it. How does it work? What's your disc? What did you learn? What are you going to teach me? So if I said to you, what's your understanding of cult film? What, what would you say? Cult film, I guess I would say it's uh, an it's a title it earns over time. I guess you can't create a cult film. You know, it's one that becomes a cult film from recognition. Um, yeah. So either longevity, success, um, not even that though, because it can be, you know, something like The Room, I'd say is a cult film, um, the classically bad film, um, but it, it's got that classic to it because it's so awful. You know, these ones that um, for some reason they're remembered. I think that's the way I'd round up a cult film. But then this is where it gets interesting. So like that is a common perception of cult film. Oh, but I'm then wrong. If I, if I said to you, how would you describe fans of major film like blockbuster franchises like Marvel and Star Wars, what type of what type of culture would you describe them as having? I know what you're trying to do here. I'm gonna. Get... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, being one myself, a huge nerd. Um, yeah, I'm... but what 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 are they as, as a group? What would you oh. what would you argue they're known as? You know, a big um... group of people all obsessively like adoring one thing, but all the a same cult. message. A cult. A cult. Oh, yeah. there so... you go. Everyone so, listening to this is like screaming, a cult, <laughs> Angus, a cult, you idiot. So, Not so nerd. <laughs> and that's it. I, I think it should, instead of being a cult film, I said it should be called nerd film. And that's, <laughs> that's my whole dissertation. Done. There we go. Thank you for listening to Dis and That. <laughs> no, so, so basically, for me, this cult film perception, which is what you described originally in Bang On, has been like warped or diluted by this whole thing with these huge major movie franchises, because the, although with the original definition, it was like, you know, it was that longevity thing. There is also that element of the original definition where fans are going to a screening, they're dressing up, they're quoting stuff back as they're watching it. You know, you think of like your Rocky horrors and your rooms, you only watch that film, you are quoting it, you know, you're doing a drinking game that behavior can also be applied 
to films like Star Wars and, and, and films like Lord of the Rings and films like Marvel. So for me, it made it really murky ground. So my dissertation was looking into whether a new definition of cult film was needed because it needed to clear up the weirdness between film franchises that are getting two billion plus and films like Rocky Horror that are not getting two billion plus. I completely get that. I see where the question is because obviously you can't, it's, it's the problem with blanket terms, isn't it? You yeah. can't say a cult film is this. So a cult film is, The Room is a cult film and Iron Man is a cult film. They are completely different and yeah. everything about them is different, the fan base and exactly the revenue and all of that. So um, I'm, I'm very excited to hear what you've got to say and what you learn and ready to learn. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was one of those things for me that like the early stages of it were always very interesting in terms of research and stuff because like you think of like an action film and if I said to you what's a clear you know super text in film terms for like an action film you'd say you know Die Hard or something with and if I said to you like what are big characteristics of those films you know it'd be like gunfight loud music you know exciting theme song all this type of thing but like in the modern age if I said to you what were those things for cult film there isn't really an answer. Like people do say like your Rocky horrors, but then you say, well, what are the characteristics of it? And that there aren't really that. It's, it's just confusing. So over the course of my film and TV degree, whenever I had the chance, I, um, I would write about this type of weird area because it was the area I found the most interesting and it developed into this, you know, 30 page beast where <laughs> I tried to create a new definition of something that, you know, it doesn't really need a definition because no one yeah. really cares. <laughs> so, so, no, I, I, I care, Danny. Thank I you, care. Thank you. And I'm sure people uh, that chose to listen to this care also. And <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear uh, about what you found out. On with the diss. Let's, let's On get with into the it. diss. I know I've, you've teased me with what it's all about and now I want to get into the nitty gritty of the subject. What's the, what's, the, what's the best way to break it down? Should I? I? I reckon, just go for it. You know, if you've got, have you got chapters to your dissertation? Yes. Um, yeah, I reckon go, that is, you, seems to be the best way to get, to wrap my head around it. Well, I've 50 50 my screen, so I have my diss up there, so I can give you oh, full. Oh yeah, perfect. We can, get, we can get quotes. <laughs> we can get quotes. You know, this was, you know, this was, you know, April, May, 2020, I submit this. That, that's like four years ago at this point. At least it feels it, like it. It does feel like it. Fair enough. No. But the, the, the crux of my essay started with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Are you, is this a film that you've seen? Are you I fond have seen. Of? I've seen the film and I'm fond of it. Yes. Yeah. So I just really liked the idea that people would go to these films. They would, you know, bring their water guns and when there's rain on the screen spray the water and when the narrator says something they'll shout back a stupid answer as if they're answering the narrator like I just found this amusing so that is where my dissertation started because for me that's what I would categorize as a cult film but with the rise of franchises, as I said earlier, of Marvel and stuff like that, people would started to describe them as also cult films. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like that, that, that doesn't sit, like, I don't understand how they can both be cult films because most people say cult films are, or at least some people say cult films are like low budget films that like have the longevity because people find them funny and all this type of thing. 
But then how can a film like Avengers be a cult film as well when that's literally broken the box office record? So my my film, my film diss, you know, the whole thing sort of starts with me talking about that, those feelings and that and that sort of like why you're doing it why you're doing yeah it. yeah and 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 it sort of stated you know that's why i want to clear it up because you know I, I am a big fan of those big box office films but i'm also a big fan of of like the, the old school classics and, and I, it's I, necessary I was, to categorize them i guess yeah yeah and, and i was I, I was just interested to know as well like if i could make a new definition like it's something that's existed i think the first real knowledge of or like uh terminology behind cult is from the 70s so i was like it's been a long time people are still writing stuff about it but not many of them are taking into account the internet so like i think literally the whole of my chapter two is like how the internet affected things okay. because um you know when you talk about the development of the internet uh, well we uh, would it that is kind of the middle section. I, I don't know the best way to go about it. But like when you talk about the internet, the development of the internet is regarded as literally like web 1.0, web, web 2.0, when different types of the internet came about. Okay. So hang on, that's where, hang on, hang that's on. That's where my title came from. That's where my title okay, came from. There you go. Yeah. I, I, okay. <laughs> so this is cult 2.0. So there's because of the web 1.0, web 2.0. That's what I was going for. Yeah. That makes perfect well done thank you i was quite proud of the title i didn't need a big waffle no that's that's fantastic so um are we ready to go on to the internet as a so your first chapter so so the first i I now know why you're doing this um yeah the the murky water between cult films is the biggest it is the biggest like branch of cinema really isn't it because it it could be anything all films are chucked in there yeah um so that's that's the intro basically to this yes internet what happened are you ready to go there well Hold up, Angus. Before, yeah, hold, before it got to the internet, I felt like it was important to try to find at least what the original interpretation of cult f- film was. You know, whether people thought that there were, you know, elements that made a f- cult film, you know, at least if there was theory already that existed about this original perception. Because for me, I saw my dissertation as being like original definition, what's changed it, my own definition and that that was the sort of like path through I went for so people did have a definition of it and and they they felt a a lot of the theory to be fair comes from this blokey called Ernest Mattis who's uh, I think he's a lecturer in America and it was like I debate I followed him on Twitter once I finished and I was like should I send this to him and be like what do you think and I was like no that's fucking weird Um, (laughs) so, so he he felt that there were four elements that made up the original definition of cult film anatomy consumption political significance and cultural status okay that makes sense yeah and my problem when reading that was like those are four very very vague things (laughs) yeah so actually that is probably in part why when things are just changing over time it it just gets more and more vague so I then had to then take a, a more specific look into those areas to understand where, where it was at. And he went on to talk about how there were common features within like the films that were most traditionally regarded as cult 
but he felt made it. So there were eight, eight, I think it was. Let me let me scroll through my distance to check. You've got it up. Might as well. Yeah, there's eight. There's eight. There's eight. So the first one was innovation. Okay. So this is this is this is more because obviously you can like art cinema and all this type of like fancy arty blah is is can count as cult. So that is you know just putting new film things in basically yeah. like new techniques. How they changed the game. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, but not all of them ended up doing well. Um, the second one, the classic, is is badness. So ones that were are bad films, but people like them because they're that bad. So so that is where you get things like the room. The next one is transgression. So it just sort of goes. So rather than like badness is like uh, well at least I interpreted badness as it's so bad it's good for the whole thing. Whereas transgression is like some moments are genuinely very clever but some moments are awful. So the example I had here is being John Malkovich, the film about like inside his head, the actor's head. Weird because like, it's, quite a, it's quite a clever concept, um, you know, inside out ripped off, you know, a couple of years later. But um, it's, it's, it's not the greatest either. No, no, no. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So what's the, what was the um, name for that? Integra- Tran- transgression. Transgression, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it was like clever techniques but then they sort of violate yeah. the traditional things and it just doesn't work out. Crosses next, more boxes than it ticks almost. Yeah, 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 that would yeah, yeah, that'd be a good analysis. The next one is genre. So this is just like when they mess with genre. So the main one I had here is Blazing Saddles. Have you seen that film? I haven't seen that film. It's a, so it's a cowboy film that breaks the fourth wall. And, and, and the best example of that is... Um, they have a big fight scene that ends up breaking the studio around them. And then they are fighting through the, the studio plot like set and like going on other things while still sort of doing the stereotypes. So it's, it, it's, it's films like that, that are in this, that are in this genre that are like either really hamming up genres to sort of take them, take the mick out of them. So, so the next one is intertextuality is just a cult film that references other areas of the world. So this is like, uh, well, the earlier ones were, some a film called Ginger Snaps that I'd literally never heard of, but I realised that in the mainstream age, a good example of this is literally the Emoji Movie. So I managed to get the greatest film of all time in. Big up the Emoji Movie. <laughs> didn't think we'd be talking about the Emoji Movie on. Didn't <laughs> I didn't think I'd write about it, but <laughs> you know, got to get it in there. Got to show the people. <laughs> um, the next one is Loose Ends. So films that just for literally no reason just have a really random loose end. It's like. Just multiple loose ends, just, just huge amount of loose Don't ends. Don't care about their loopholes, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is nostalgia. So, in this 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 genre feature, this is where you'd include like a Back to the Future or a Donnie Darko because you are like complete like time travel films is basically where the nostalgia ones go because like you can sort of play, play with on people's the past. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the last one is gore. So, oh. Because obviously, one you, I could have gone down a route of descri- defining cult films as just horror films and 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 just slashers, basically. Yeah. You know, like you use Shaun of the Dead's and all this type of thing. Um, Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, as we sort of said halfway through, having those eight as your common features of of cult film is really messy. It, it it's weird though because I wouldn't have expected that. Um, now you mention like cult, uh, uh, sorry, gore especially. 
Yeah. Um, I, like, but now you say it, I guess. So does that mean this classic? So what was the um, guy's name you said that categorized it into this? Ernest Mattis. Ernest Mattis. So is he saying that a cult film has to tick these boxes? A film has to tick these boxes to become a cult film? Not, not all of them, but like... At least a few. Be, yeah, okay. yeah. But then like there's still other areas that people might traditionally regard as a cult film that like aren't even in those. So to finish off that chapter, I looked at like camp in film, like just camp mm. stuff in film, because like, you know, you're talking like your carry-ons and all this type of thing. Like they are very camp in nature and are very much cult films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't um, tick any of the other boxes, they don't, really. They, there's no gore in the carry-on film. No, <laughs> no. Imagine, imagine. That would that'd be, yeah, that would be something. Um, so then I, yeah, so then I sort of wrapped that up and using his, his and other people's um, sort of research, had a sort of generic cult film original definition that I would then use later on in chapter three to show how it's changed. Um, so it, it's, yeah, basically. So you've set the scene, you've set the scene. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You've kind of understood what the um, common academic consensus is for a cult film. And, um, and, and that is that there is none. There, <laughs> there is, is none. There is none. Yeah. There Someone is none. has made a living from just explaining how every film can get into every category ever. Yes, yes. That would, <laughs> okay. that would be my okay. analysis. We're make, I think we're making progress. I think I'm starting yeah. to get to grips with this. Yeah, so, so in internet, do we, are we ready to enter the web? We're, we're about to enter the web. So I lovingly named chapter two, Web 2.0 is born. And Ooh. this chapter um, started off with a guy called... Raphael Moyne, who talked about his own interpretation of, of the genre and like the categories within the genre depend on different contextual relations with cinema. And actually, when you include things like fandoms in the Internet, the con my argument effectively is that the contextual relations surrounding cult film has changed as time has passed, rendering the stuff that appeared in the first chapter kind of meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a, it's a um, ever-changing kind of yeah. word. Yeah. As, as it, well, most words are, you know, we, we adapt <laughs> well, and we evolve. Yeah, <laughs> words, man, they're just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then it was a matter of just sort of like breaking down fandom, basically, fandom and the internet. So it had a bit of um, history about what the internet was. So obviously Big, big Tim, Big Tim Berners-Lee obviously made, made the World Wide Web. And when he made the World Wide Web, it was known as Web 1.0. And it was effectively an information portal where, you know, it had websites that you couldn't really do much on, not much going on. It was sort of very just static and, and still and, and you couldn't really engage with them. And as time passed, it went from being this Web 1.0, which was basically just like information to Web 2.0, which which is is more like the web we know today not not fully because i think there is one more one more stage after this since but basically it's it's web 2.0 is the transition that allows for things like social networking and and all this type of thing um so like web 2.0 is things like user participation and and how good the user experience is and and you know everyone being able to access the internet whereas obviously when web 1.0 was prominent. That wasn't really the case. Not everyone had the internet. Having that Web 2.0 now existing, 
means that the way that fans can engage with each other is very different. So with, when you have your web 1.0, a lot of the conversations people would have about film are in person and like at work yeah, yeah. and this type of thing. Whereas with web 2.0 in, in your Twitters and your, and your Reddits and all this type of thing, you can just chat to people that you don't really know about yeah. films. Find that, these new fans yeah. and it creates these hubs really, doesn't it? Yeah, so so it was at this point that I talked about meme culture and all this type of thing. I mean, this this dissertation had all the generic white boy boxes that we needed to get in the emoji okay. movie and meme culture. <laughs> you um, said it, not me. You said it. Not <laughs> me. Um, but basically, Web two point encouraged that type of thing rather than Web one point So then we get into the sort of realms of okay, well now fans have this ability to engage like that they can go kind of crazy and be cult-like in nature even like, if the film isn't a cult film almost yeah yeah okay so, so, oh right so this so, is where go ahead sorry no no you go you go i want to hear your interpretation <laughs> so, so from what i've from what i've gathered so far then from what you just said is that even if the film itself didn't tick any of those original categories that Ernest, what was his name sorry Ernest Mattis. Ernest Mattis created for the original cult films before Web 2.0. Now a film could become a cult film just through the fan interaction. Yeah, at least at least the response to the film is cult like. Cult like. Yeah, like it's almost religious. Like the people that you know, like we're talking like you know, I've been to Star Wars midnight screenings upon releases and and all that type of thing. Like that is very cult in nature. And that didn't really exist in the same way before Web 2.0. In, in talking about that, I also looked into the idea of like conventions because that is just one big fact, like joint experience because like you have this direct access to merchandise and, and celeb meet and greets and, and talks and stuff like that. And like the popularity of those is is stemmed from from the social networking which is stemmed from the change from web 1.0 to web 2.0 so like it is very much a case of at least my interpretation of it was that it's just a big knock-on effect the whole way that cults changed and i guess in the way that films changed as well then there was this whole element of of the chapter that i looked into where people were talking about fans like interpretation of fans you know if you're if you're like, you know, so I'm a Southampton fan, but if I wore this top all the time, said I was a Saints fan, then never went to any Saints games ever or didn't watch the games, people would be like, oh, you're not a real fan. Yeah, so yeah. if you translate it over to films, it's that whole thing. It's like, well, you know, I could be someone that likes Marvel films. When it comes out, I'll go at a normal time. Or I could be someone that dresses up and goes at midnight there are degrees to the fandom. Yeah, there's there's a degree, there's different degrees to the fandom. So if you are taking to that into account, then you can't dismiss those fans as not being cult because they are because they are having that religious sort of response to it. I was then getting to the point where I basically saw that there was a blur between geek culture or nerd culture, as some might say, <laughs> yeah. and just general modern culture. Because films that, you know, back in the day, if you're a fan of Star Wars, you might have got bullied for liking Star Wars because, it, you know, nerdy and all this type of thing. Whereas now, like, those things became cool. Yeah, it's all changed. So do you think that, again, stems from Web 2.0? 
I, I that's that was the analysis I went for in, in my essay. Yeah, it's like I was like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I thought, I, I'm ready. <laughs> then come on. Then how, how? What did you do? What was your conclusion? How did you? You said you were gonna find a way to redefine it. Was yes. the finding the way uh, impossible? Like, how did that work? No. So I, I made a I made a modern definition. All right, and it involved it. involved a bit of you know hard graft, hard graft, a lot of thinking, a lot of movie watching, trying to work out. <laughs> but I basically decided that I would create a new definition called Cult 2.0, and I wanted to create a generic identity for it that I could then clearly define. But then I also wanted to have a supertext for the, the genre because my research in chapter one showed me that the problem with cult film was that it didn't have those two things. So I was trying to make an identity for cult and a supertext for cult. And my chapter three, which you're going to like the title of this because I was proud of the title. Chapter three is called cult film end game because oh. of the film. Yeah, the end but also because it was the end game. Uh, end um, game. So, yeah, that's a No, it makes sense, right? It makes, because sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I, I, I re-brought up the definition that I had put in. This is the old definition. Yeah, the old definition. Yeah. And now and we get to yours. I realised that there were three main areas of this definition that were jumping out to me. And that was the culture, the taste and the technical elements, which in a way matched up with the elements that he had earlier of consumption, political significance, anatomy and cultural status. So I knew that you know, I had to still keep some of the original cult stuff in and those would be my areas I looked at and, and tried to sort of create context for the genre around. In doing this, I was like, well, there's three areas. Maybe I'll try a different sub super text for each one and see if that can then create a definition from it. So in looking at culture, culture, culture and taste, I was like, well, can we say Avengers Endgame is a is this new definition of cult? Because if so many people think it is, maybe it is. Upon doing a bit of research and doing a writing and, and looking at, you know, the behaviours and elements of it, I basically had to rule it out because no, of... It would have been perfect. I know, but because of, because of how much money it was getting in fan bases so like when i wrote this the marvel studios reddit had 1.1 million users the twitter had 4.1 million from according to a stat i found the midnight screenings in china there was 39,000 of them for endgame wow. 39,000 yeah. so i was like it has elements that work and it, it ticks a lot of the boxes so like you know, with the nostalgia stuff, Endgame has so many throwbacks to the previous films. Like it's ticking all those boxes, uh, and 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 it's doing things we want it to do. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work as a cult 2.0 supertext because it's just like it's just making a stupid amount of money. And yeah. actually, it's probably a good case study for fandom, like mass fandoms, rather than cult Cults. film. Yeah. yeah, 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 and there has to be a cutoff like between the two. Yeah, so I took that into account and decided I would create in my first aspect of my definition by looking at how much money this got. 
in the definition or, or the classification of cult film 2.0, I said that it had to earn less than $500 million in a global box office gross. 200 films have taken over 500 million and 300 films have taken over 350 million. So it made sense. And, and the top 50 so films- the cap. Yeah, I, I basically tried to uh, cap it to then rule out films like that because you can't judge a longevity really from a film that just smashes it out of the park straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah, doesn't, yeah no, definitely. It, it just doesn't really work. And, and whilst there were exceptions to it, you know, that's what the next bit was. So, so the next one I looked into was The Greatest Showman. Okay. Okay. Because actually, originally, if we, if we, you know, if, we, if you want the full context of my diss, originally the whole thing was going to be about Greatest Showman because I was like, I could, I wanted to, originally, I wanted to argue that Greatest Showman was a cult film. And I okay. was like, because okay. it's a film that did very, very well it, from audiences but like critics hated it. Like they hated it. Yeah. And like, it's not very, it's not very well made. Like no. the, the director got replaced halfway through or, or like they had to bring in a second director halfway through in order to like help the new director out or this type of thing, which obviously fits in with normal cult things. So I was originally going to do that and then realized there's not enough stuff to write a whole dissertation on it. So it became the next super text case study in deciding it and it fitted in with that first uh, classification because it got 440 million worldwide oh, and in. cut off. It just snuck, little snuck in. Yeah, little Hugh Jackman <laughs> just ran in. Perfect. Um, so again, I, I studied, studied it and, and broke it down and, and saw that in, in a lot of the cases and a lot of the scenarios, it fitted in with the cult film elements that existed from the original definition about like nostalgia and politics and all this type of thing, you know, the whole thing about Great Showman, it's like, oh, anyone can do anything type of thing. And, you know, it, it's it's resisting the sort of politics of, of the world. The reason the reason I felt <laughs> um, it doesn't fit in is, and, and it comes down to the fact of the longevity of the fans film, like the following and like how well it does in the opening weekend, because in a lot of the cases like The Room, it's it's picked up over time and built Whereas following over time. Great Whereas Great kind Showman, of fallen and won. It, it it did well off like it didn't do amazingly off the bat, but it didn't not do well off the bat. And then people go saw it because they heard it didn't do very well. You know, you look at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it's an opening weekend. Only one point five percent of its overall domestic income came from the opening weekend. Whereas if you look at Endgame. 41% of its domestic theatrical income came on its opening weekend. That's mental as well, because thinking about the number that that is as well, of yeah. how much it made. Okay, so so would you say, therefore, then, you're trying to create this, so you're ma making this new term for to categorise Cult 2.0, and you're kind yeah. of doing it through elimination, almost. You're, Effectively. You're, you're thinking of what you would classify as a cult film, and then making sure it works and in these cases endgame and greater showman it hasn't really worked by chopping off all the films above that certain you know the, the 500 million yeah. i knew that that would eliminate all the confusion about whether those type of films were it with the greatest showman um you know i looked at endgame and I looked at rock our picture show i looked at other 
opening weekend percentages of traditional cult films. So like being John Malkovich that I mentioned earlier, that was 2.8%. Greatest Showman was 5.1%. So I made, I was like, well, it it fitted in because it was fitting in with the, the other classic great, cult the films, other classic really. cult films yeah. yeah so you've got another bracket for your for your so definition my next bracket was that it had to have under 10 percent of its domestic opening weekend under 10 percent of its theatrical value from the from the domestic opening weekend yeah but i know what you're oh. thinking i know what you're thinking great showman that's under that 10 percent. so why is it not a cult film yeah well it's time for another <laughs> it's time for another bracket it's time for another bracket we need Basically, another one yeah, basically, it's way too early for me to to okay. comfortably so feel because it's new. Yeah, so I felt that Great Showman, despite fitting the first two brackets, needed another bracket to rule it out. That also would then rule out a lot of the other films from a confusion point of view. So I found a book, and the book was called Hundred Cult Films." The book came out in two thousand eleven, and only one film after two thousand and five was in that book. What was the film? In Bruges. Great film. Love Great that film. film. Great Carry film. Carry on. <laughs> but but in, 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 in 2000, and, between 2000 and 2005, six were released. I decided that a 15 year window is the amount of time needed for something to become a cult film. Because if I like, okay, it's enough time, you know, In Bruges came out in 2008. So you could sort, you could, you, you could argue it, but it is still murky. Yeah. So, and you don't uh, want that. We want to get rid of that. That's murky. what we. That's what we're putting Clear in the water. bin. Yeah. So the next category for my definition was needs to be out longer than fifteen years. What I've established so far was, or what ha- what we've established so far, we're doing, we're going through this together, um, is that the film had to gross under five hundred million worldwide. Um, it needed to have an opening weekend domestic box office percentage of under ten percent, and you could only judge it after 15 years. There we go. And is there is there more to it? Because that must whittle it down to well, a Well, so, so for me, this is where I was like, all right, I need one more case study that is effectively going to become my, my super text. It, it, it literally came about because I was watching Disney Plus, as you do, and I saw it on there and I was like, that's such a good film, I'm going to watch it. And I'm sat there watching it and I'm like, wait a second. Like, when's this come out? I'm like, oh, 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 oh <laughs> you were like, oh, how long has this been out for? How much did it mean? Yeah, yeah literally, but that's literally, that's literally what I did. Yeah. And, and when I realized that it matched all those things, I, I genuinely got up from this room and ran into where my dad was. I was like, mate, I've, I've actually cracked it. Like I've cracked it. And he was like, what is it? And I was like, my final case study is who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. so fitting as well. Like, you know, you found it, the detectiveness of it all, you know. I'd never, that, that's never crossed my mind, but I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to save my this, like he tries to save Toontown. Boom. I did it. <laughs> so I then obviously had to look up these stats. It grossed 351 million worldwide. Okay, under 500. Yep. It's over 15 years old because it came out in 1985 i want to say okay yeah. definitely over 15 years old over over 50 yeah i've just got a bunch of context about it now um and from a from the 
10% point of view, yeah. it got under the 10% needed in order to fit the, the next box. So, so there we go. We've, you found... I found my super text. You found now super I had, text. Now I had my super text. I needed to translate that into a proper definition. And are we ready? Are we ready for it then? Are you going to finally now, reveal your your cult two point um, definition? What is a cult film, Danny Hombi? Well, I actually wrote down a full definition. I want me to just read out the full definition. I want to I've hear got, it. I want to hear it. Uh, so I said, a film reaches cult status when the fans' interest is sustained and online communities around that film continue to thrive over 15 years after the film's first theatrical release. Judgment can then be made as to whether a film is simply a widely enjoyed successful film or a cult film. A critical test of this is the following technical classifications. Worldwide theatrical box office income after that period the percentage of that achieved in the opening weekend using domestic box office as a guide, because in most cases with the worldwide definition, just for context, like it's different everywhere because of yeah, like yeah, yeah. prices changing people, and yeah, 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 exchanges definitely. and all this type of thing. To. So yeah. So it was, it was the box office opening weekend. And then also it, I went on to add that cult films often receive mixed or adverse critical reviews due to the elements they contain and can take time to build theatrical income. So any film that after 15 years has taken over 500 million worldwide and or achieved more than 10% of that in its opening weekend cannot qualify as a cult film. But <laughs> the definition continued because I, as I said, I wanted to include elements from the first thing. So in order to then narrow down these films again, I wanted to have technical classifications that also fit in. So we've got we've got like the the sort of branding or, or like statistic element, but then we needed the things that were actually in the film. So then I was like, it also has to include that or elements of the innovation, badness, transgression, genre, intertextuality, those things I mentioned earlier. Gore? Is that in? Gore, 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 gore. Yeah, <laughs> well, it is because the yeah, guy's face yeah. the guy's face melts. True, true. That is gory. That yeah, that's horrifying for a children's <laughs> film. So I concluded my super text for Cult 2.0 is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And therefore, as a result of making that definition and doing that, I had achieved my task of my disc of making a clear generic identity and super text for, for Cult Film. Mic drop, you did it. And now, I, and now I know what it is. Because uh, I... Because when you asked me, I think this has come around full circle so yeah. nicely. Because when you asked me what I thought a cult film was, nicely done, by the way, I did the classic and fell for your trap. And now well, I know that there's a lot more that goes into what makes a cult film. And you have cleared, you've kind of, you've got that old um, definition of it and you're not, you're not denying it, you know, because I think that yeah. would be a to completely deny it because then it's really hard to compare new movies and old movies alike. Um, and I think it's really cool that you've kept on to most of that um, but then also post web 2.0, you've applied your new niches because we've got all these stats and numbers, you know, and um, the, I think that's super interesting. I've got, but as a little tease at the end, you know, everything's got to have a post credit scene. You know, if we're yeah. talking full cult, I went on to say that as a result of streaming services and fans being able to make their own content, it's possible that it, over the, in 15 years time, are we talking oh, am I time? Am I? 
Are you going to say we might we might need a a cult 3.0? But do you like? Do you do you actually feel like you? you I don't know if it's it's such a I weird topic. Say, it's a weird topic, but I would say I've learned. I I am all for learning new things, and I would say if we didn't have this conversation, I would not be able to tell you what what classifies officially into a cult film you know um a, well, it is one of those scenarios so like this is what i meant by when i said like i hadn't like although i loved film i hadn't processed i hadn't like my, it's changed my views on film because now yeah. i'm like oh wow like all these factors are actually affecting it and like i actually sat and rewatched endgame like earlier in the week for like the first time in months and it's actually crazy because the likelihood is there is never going to be a film spectacle like that again because yeah. that was what twelve years worth of build up of people. Oh, going it's an accumulation year. of like twenty two films. It, funny enough, actually, my family at the moment we're watching all the Avengers films. My parents yeah. have never seen them, and my I've got a little sister who's very keen, and I am keen myself. And um, yeah. it's a bit of an excuse to watch them again, and they're <laughs> great, you know. And uh, it's it's. Is it exactly that? It is such a unique franchise where, like, it was so ambitious, you know. And but I think it's so ambitious to look back on. But when they did it, they probably had no idea, you know. Oh, like, for sure. Where it would go. I just find it crazy that, like, you know, especially you think of Endgame of like that was twelve years worth of story built up, and and now it, it like there's a very good reason it broke two billion worldwide. But the likelihood is. Like, especially when you consider how much the world has changed in the last year, for another 12 years worth of franchise to exist seems very, very unlikely with, like, it everything. It was a special so one, wasn't it? It is literally going to be a unique experience unless for somehow every, humans just stop being weirdos that, <laughs> that we're never going to experience again. So, like, I, from, like, my marketing point of view, I've been writing an essay about um customer experience and that essay which weirdly relates because i only finished it the other day uh, that essay relates with me saying well well, from like i was writing about disney and about disney plus and that essay had to include predictions of the future and in that i'm like well if people can't do those collective experiences again like with cult film then cinema makers and and filmmakers and these big studios are going to have to come up with a new way for people to really enjoy cinema and new cinema from your home yeah, and that's yeah. a big ask because as a culture, as like human culture has existed of cinema going for the last, you know, 50, 60 since, years. Since it was there. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Well, that is actually a really interesting point. Um, yeah. I don't, who, uh, knows? Who, know, we, who knows? Future, who knows? The future, we'll find out. Well, da- Danny, it has been an absolute pleasure. I won't take up any more of your Saturday evening. Um, <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Really, so we've really outed ourselves as being sad enough to record a podcast on a Saturday on evening. On a Saturday <laughs> evening. We're, we're keen, aren't we? No, it's lockdown. It's fine. Um, days don't yeah. matter. Um, yeah, no, but true. Danny, honestly, um, thanks so much. And I'm sure everyone Thank else... Thank you for having me, man. So yeah, no, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Right. I think we should wrap it up. This has been an episode and a half. <laughs> yeah, literally. All right. All right. We've been going for. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, Danny. Cheers. Cheers, mate. You've been listening to Dis and That with Angus Mitchell.